the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Very, very important interview in a few moments with Peter Navarro. Uh, the great Peter Navarro, who uh, was friendly, was friends with Phyllis Schlafly, my old boss, uh, for, I don't know, 15 years, long before he became famous for all his good work in the White House. An extraordinary guy, a really um, incredible career he's had before that. And we'll talk with uh, Peter Navarro. He's got a new book out. The book is called In Trump Time, A Journal of America's Plague Year. He's really a cool guy. It'll be interesting to talk to him. And then we will also have a chance to visit with another a great person, Terry Beatley. Terry Beatley is the uh, pro-life leader who has been so extraordinary in focusing her effort on um, teaching people about what's happened to the greatest abortionist in the world uh, his name is Dr. Bernard Nathanson. He's long, now he's deceased. Terry Beatley, pro-life activist, met him. He, he had become pro-life, uh, but he had done abortions forever. And she started the Hosea Initiative, HoseaForYou.org. We'll talk with her and get an update on pro-life issues uh, and a lot more. All right, but today, what you need to know, uh, what is so important right now and what I want to talk about, there's a couple things that I just need to tell you what you need to know, how to understand things. And you're getting lost by the narrative machine, which tries to distract you and, and spin you and all. And so you have seen, I assume, over the last few days that there was a story uh, that the ACLU had sued the United States government on behalf of illegal aliens who came here with their kids and were separated from their kids. And they filed lawsuits, the ACLU, an American uh, legal nonprofit, they filed lawsuits on behalf of uh, illegal aliens who, again, came here illegally, they admit that, and were separated from their kids. Now, I guess there are some that claim they're getting us, they could get asylum, but I think that's not uh, established. But anyway, be that as it may, people that came here with their kids, they were told not to do that, they came anyway, and they were separated from kids. The ACLU says, you must pay us damages for, and pay these people damages. You, the American government, must pay damages to non-American citizens who broke the law in order to, what, make them whole now or something like that. Okay. So the news came out, the ACLU said, we are now, we're now suing the federal government. The federal government is now headed, Department of Justice, by people who agree with us on illegal aliens and on all this stuff. So we think we might get a good deal. Now let's pause. Let me explain something to you that you may be missing. When the federal government is taken over by a new president, the new president becomes the executive and therefore the name, the party, in all of the litigation that is going on against the government. 
right? So Donald Trump was sued by the ACLU because he was president. When he doesn't become president, the president is now Joe Biden. He's sued. The Department of Justice, which is now headed by Merrick Garland, and number two is Lisa Monaco, they're now the ones who are responding. This is why what happens is when a new government comes in, it's a huge deal. In a number of situations, the, um, the, the government, the Department of Justice, will decide to change positions. They will say to the court, we were arguing this. We now decided we don't want to argue that, and we therefore withdraw the case, or we dismiss the case, or we change the rules, or we decide to settle. So here's a good example. Understand what happens. McCabe is fired. He's fired by the, the, as head of the FBI. This is Andrew McCabe. Because he lied, it was found that he lied to the FBI or he lied to the inspector general, whatever it was. He's fired. He loses his pension, but he sues. He files a lawsuit and he sues the Department of Justice and the federal government. Well, the Biden administration comes into office and what do they do? Well, McCabe is their guy. He, he was on their side politically. And so what do they do? Well, they settle. And Andrew McCabe fired for lying. At least that's what the allegation is. I don't think we know all the personnel details, but he certainly was shown by the inspector general to have lied and he was fired and he seemed to be a squirrely dude, but whatever he's fired. The new administration comes in and says, well, that was a terrible thing. We'll settle. We'll give you $700,000 and we'll restore your pension. Turns out to be a pretty good deal for Andrew McCabe. And half the time, the lawyers who are opposing, you know, the lawyers who are on opposite sides of the V, as they say, end up working with each other. The people that are, you know, working at the law firm where, uh, where McCabe, I don't know if this is true, but I can speculate that the law firm that McCabe was using to sue, some of their lawyers have gone to work in the Department of Justice. It doesn't matter. That actually is not unethical, not illegal, but it certainly is uh, problematic when you see what you think should be the rule of law and the argument. But again, you have to have a system, right? You can't have the bureaucrats run on their own. You can't have, so you have to have a system where the president of the United States becomes the head of the Department of Justice, head of the commander in chief also, same thing. Now, what happens to the cases where the ACLU sues the federal government and says the illegal aliens were separated from their kids, we want money. Now that the the Biden administration is in, You know what the ACLU says? We're going to get some money. We're going to get really paid. And the ACLU, by the way, will get their legal fees too. They'll negotiate that. And so the federal government is now getting ready to pay illegal aliens. And the leaked number was $450,000 per kid. So if you are an illegal alien, you come to the border with three kids, you get separated from your kids. You were told not to do that. It's pretty clear you shouldn't do it. And you come, you could get $1.3 million. And Joe Biden was asked about it. He said, that's a, that's a garbage number. It's a garbage number. Well, what he meant was, maybe it's not 450, but you can bet your bottom dollar that you're going to get people on both sides of the V, in this case, to come up with a deal that makes everybody rich and, and, and pays everybody off. This reminds me, by the way, of the, the, some of the um, bureaucratic uh, local... Um, legal proceedings at the state level, workers' compensation, and some of the disability cases, you end up with lawyers who are both proponents of, of, of uh, a disability and workers' comp, and the guys who are the judges, they, they call them the uh, administrative law judges, who are former lawyers there, and they kind of collude together. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll give you a workers' comp. Yeah, we'll give you disability. And we'll, you know, we'll make it easy. Make it, so we just, because it's not our money, it's a federal, it's a government's money, federal or state government. We'll just let it roll. It's no big deal. It's we the people's money, but it's not theirs. So what we know, 
When Joe Biden said the other day, well, that's a garbage number, 450,000, within an hour, the, ACL, the ACLU said, well, I don't know what he's talking about. His Department of Justice is saying it's a deal. We're going to get a deal. And that's within the range. So now the, the, probably the Department of Justice is going to go to the ACLU and say, that was dumb. You guys went public. We can't give you that much. We'll have to give you, what, 100 grand? If they give illegal aliens $100,000 per kid to come here and break the law, and remember, if you break the law, if you're driving and you, let's say you're driving in your car and you have too much to drink and your kid is in the car, when you get pulled over, you know what the cop's going to do? Separate you from the kid. The kid doesn't go into the holding tank with you if you got a DWI. Of course not. In other words, when you break the law, you, you have terminated some of your rights. Now, the, the ACLU and others will, yeah, oh, no, no, it's not, a, you're not really breaking the law when you're an illegal alien. Well, that's just that you're just changing the terms. If you are a lawbreaker, if you come here illegally, you should not be able to claim money for what we have to do to manage it. We have to do something to manage the system. What you need to know is the power of the government in this kind of example. It's almost beyond your knowledge. And I did a television interview the other day and someone said, oh, well, the Trump White House was corrupt and the Biden isn't corrupt. And I wanted to say, no, all of these administrations have so much power that they end up picking winners and losers. And when you're picking winners and losers, the people who are always the losers end up being the people who don't have access to the powerful. That's the way it works. It's actually just human nature. But when the Democrats set up this system where they're going to allow the Department of Justice to settle claims by illegal aliens and pay them, the taxpayers are going to pay 100000 200000 50000 I don't know, per kid for breaking the law? This is, it's, it's, it's a very, very bad mistake. But I want you to understand, what you need to know is, that is the system. In some ways, that system is what we need. We don't want to have the Department of Justice be a standalone uh, justice unit. It has to be led by a president. But we also have to recognize we have far too much power and far too much influence and far too much money in the federal government because they're picking winners and losers and they're picking against us. That's what you need to know. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Peter Navarro, the great Peter Navarro, we'll talk with him. And then later, uh, we will visit on the pro-life front. We'll catch up on the pro-life front uh, and our old friend, Terry Beatley. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is an old friend of my old boss, the late Phyllis Schlafly, Peter Navarro. Dr. Peter Navarro is a professor. He was once a candidate a long time ago. I ran for, I think, mayor, maybe Congress. Uh, but he's his. he came to Phyllis's attention and he became great friends with his book, uh, and then the documentary, uh, the documentary was Death by China and, uh, extraordinary. The book was The Coming China Wars. And then he went to work in the White House and was really one of the best. I mean, Stephen Miller got a lot of attention because many of us knew him, but Peter Navarro worked from the day Trump started until he ended on really important stuff and really did a great job. And now he's got a new book out and the new book is out. It's called In Trump Time, a journal of America's plague year. So welcome, Peter Navarro. How are you, sir? I couldn't be more delighted to talk to you, Ed. And uh, hello, San Diego. Love that city. 
always have, always will. The, you know, the In Trump Time title is interesting. Um, when I first got into the White House in 2017 off the campaign trail, I was astonished yeah. uh, at how disloyal some of these people were um, and how slow things move. So I'd sit around and like, we want to do buy American, we want to do tariffs, we want to crack down on Chinese <laughs> bureaucrats with him and on. I go, no, 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 no. One day out of my mouth popped, we're doing this in Trump time as soon as possible. And, and that became kind of my own personal um, culture as well as, uh, as that of the white house. I mean, we've, we, we just got, got stuff done and it was very helpful to me. Ed, when, once we hit 2020, you know, during the first three years, I was, I was doing uh, what I was signed up to do, which was uh, to be the tip of the spear for trade manufacturing policy. We created over half a million manufacturing jobs. Come pandemic time, though, I, I had to shift by necessity. I became effectively the quartermaster for the war on the pandemic. And it was really useful to be able to, to move and smash down bureaucratic barriers. But the book itself, at, in Trump time, um, it, it has the three missions. One is, is to take Tony Fauci, that evil little man, and take him out of government, put him in an orange jumpsuit. I document in detail the blood on that man's hands. And by that same token, I want to make sure that the Chinese Communist Party is held accountable for the literally trillions and trillions of dollars it's, it's, it's levied on the United States and damages uh, by unleashing that demon virus. And, of course, uh, we, we do need to get to the bottom of both November 3rd and January 6th, because as we've seen with this new regime, Ed, um, elections have consequences. Well, they sure do. We're talking with uh, Dr. Peter Navarro. And again, uh, the book is um, out just a few days ago. Uh, and, and you know, everything you just said, it's called In Trump Time, A Journal of America's Plague, uh, Plague Year. I want to get to that, but I want to ask you something else. I bet you've never worked harder, more intensely in your life than you did the last four years. And so when it finally ended, and and, and, and I know it, it, in a way it was a shock. I've worked in government where it just ends suddenly. It's almost like campaigns. And suddenly it's over. Uh, and but it may it must have taken you a while to just get your engine run down a little like you must have been because you were going so hard and so fast. How long did it take you to kind of get your bearings? You know, I mean, it must have been some kind of transition. Well, I, I, I viewed that my whole time there is akin to being on a ship at sea because it really was a, a 24 uh kind of uh, environment, and then when the pandemic hit, it was like 24-7. Um, but, but, but look, um, the election itself, uh, I prove beyond a shadow of doubt in the interim time book that that election was stolen. So, so after, after the Biden regime took office, I continued to work on stopping the steal, uh, the November 3rd movement, um, helping um, legislatures out in the battleground states move forward with that. But then, of course, um, I just immediately put my nose to the grindstone and started re- writing the In Trump Time book. It, was, it, was, it, it wasn't difficult to do it quickly in Trump Time because at a, a beginning uh, in 2017, I began keeping a daily journal. Um, every night, no matter how tired I was, I'd write down kind of what happened. And so I had that that to work with. So the transition hmm. from from the the, the the hot kitchen of the White House uh, to my office and the kind of monastic life of, of writing a book 
um, wasn't that difficult because it was, this in Trump time book, I think, is a very important historical document that is also a call and plan for action. Um, so I, you know, pedal to the metal. We're uh, we're talking with Peter Navarro, and uh, again, the book is uh, in Trump time: A Journal of America's Plague Year. Um, so uh, back to that now. Uh, what you you were an expert on China. You were an expert on China, yeah. not just on China's trade, but on China, the communist regime. That was your you'd written books on it. You've done documentaries on it. Is your do you have any doubt that this whole COVID uh, uh, pandemic was? instigate at least instigated by the chinese regime if not worse uh there's no question i lay this all out uh, with facts and evidence in the in trump time book here's what we know we know that 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 virus came from a p4 bioweapons lab where the people's liberation army works effectively in the basement on on sophisticated bioweapons we know that Tony Fauci and his bureaucracy, uh, for, for God knows why, actually helped fund that lab. And more importantly, we know that the, the Chinese, they always steal our technology. But in this case, Fauci gave it to them, this, this gain-of-function technology, which can be used to turn these harmless bad viruses into human killers. Um, we know all of that, right? Now, there is a question of whether that, virus escaped from the lab or was intentionally released. But even if that's not resolved, even if it was an accident at some point, uh, I prove in the In Trump Time book through what I call China's five heinous acts that they guaranteed there would be a pandemic that would attack America. And the, and the, the biggest smoking gun really is the fact that, that China locked down its entire country tighter than the snap ties on a Uyghur prisoner. And at the <laughs> same time, they freely allowed yeah, they freely allowed Chinese nationals to travel all over the globe, including many from Wuhan, including many lit up hotter than a Christmas tree lights uh, with that virus. So, so, yeah, when you ask me, did China attack us? I say, oh, certainly they attacked us because they, they allowed that virus to seed and spread even as they were protecting their own people. We must hold them accountable and we must hold Fauci accountable for his role in, in what effectively is the murder of millions of people worldwide. And so one of the things that in, in Trump time, I had a, uh, one of the chapters of the book covers my attempts to set up a, a, a presidential commission that would have investigated the origins and costs of the virus. I, I, you know, I thought it was like my one stroke of genius in my life, because if we had set up that commission, <laughs> we, 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 would, we would have been able to shift the blame of the pandemic from the president and righteously to the Chinese Communist Party. I had a, a clause in the executive order that would have required an interim report several weeks before election day. And that would have hit like mm -hmm. a ton of bricks and really allowed the president to, to um, uh, escape from the straitjacket that the Fauci, the mainstream media and the Democrats were putting him in by blaming him for a pandemic he was not responsible for.
Uh, we're talking again with Dr. Peter Navarro, uh, who was, uh, as I mentioned, one of the senior uh, key leaders in the White House. His book is from All Seasons Press, came out just a few days ago, available hardback, uh, also on Kindle, In Trump Time, A Journal of America's Plague Year. Uh, so uh, about that, about the White House, about the present, um, we watched him use all the skills he had, things like Operation Warp Speed, the things where he basically said, we're going to we're going to shut. We're going to get ventilators if we need them. We're going to get whatever we need. Yeah. We're going to you know, he in some ways he was he was made for that kind of moment, except it just kept sort of rolling over. The media kept rolling the thing over. And it, it was once in a I don't know, um, a thousand years. I mean, something it was incredible. On the other hand, it was the media did a number on him again. Right now, the Russia hoax has fallen apart. The fine people hoax fell apart. The January 6th thing has fallen apart. But how do you finish, Peter? How do you look at it now and say, not, you're just, you're, you're all, you mentioned at the beginning, you're trying to write the history so it's real. What, what, maybe you told me off, off air that it's, so it's not a lie what happened. But in a way, the media beat the Trump administration. One of the most important elements of the In Trump Time book is, is to close this information gap between the, the fake news saying that the president didn't take the virus seriously and that we were unprepared for, for the, the so-called lost February. Um, I show in the In Trump Time book how, for example, the boss from the time he pulled down the travel uh, from China in, on January 30th, uh, that I began writing uh, what a series of action, action, action memos on behalf of the president. February 9th, I wrote a memo that jump-started the Operation Warp Speed. I said in that memo we could get a vaccine by October or November. We did. We did that in Trump time. Um, I got jump-started therapeutics like the monoclonal antibodies, which today are saving lives and which helped save the president's life, ironically, when, when he went to Walter Reed. Um, we, we were moving, even though the president, uh, was, was trying to reassure people and keep them calm in the fog of the pandemic war when we weren't, weren't sure quite what we had in February. Um, he was besieging me to work in Trump time at all due speed to, uh, prepare what I called the, in my memos, the five vector attack strategy. It was vaccines, therapeutics, um, testing. Um, and, and PPE and, and ventilators. And we, I mean, look, Ed, we, we stood up a factory for ventilators, which is a very complex right. operation. We did that in 17 days. And every yeah. American who needed a ventilator got one. And there's a great, there's a funny, there's a lot of fun part. And by the way, you mentioned the Kindle and the hardcover. The audio edition is cool because, and I'm surprised nobody ever did this before. Um, I had a bunch of people voice their own parts in it. I did the main narration, but you got like Steve huh. Bannon in it. You got Victor Davis Hanson. Corey Lewandowski absolutely steals the show um, on, a, on a trip he takes on Air Force One with Dave Bossy like the day before the election. Um, and and um, I, I'm, I'm trying uh, with the In Trump Time book to to basically expose – uh, the fake news for what they were, because I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I, look, you know this, Ed, it's brass knuckles politics, okay? But but I draw the line, right. and Trump Time book draws the line when when people's lives are at stake, and 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 Biden, Harris, Jeff Zucker at CNN, John Berman at CNN, 
Tony Fauci at the, at the top of the list, Stephen Hahn at the FDA. Um, all of these people have blood on their hands uh, because uh, they, they, they seem to want Trump out more than they wanted to do their own jobs uh, and save lives. And, and that's, that's the tragedy that, of in Trump time, along with the Shakespearean betrayal of, uh, of Trump by Pence and, and some other things we get to at the end of the book. Um, Peter, I'm, I'm going to run out of time. We're talking about Peter Navarro. I'm really glad, by the way, and, and grateful that you've taken the time not just to write the book. I think we expected that, but you've been uh, on the scene uh, in terms of going out in the media. And I think it makes a big difference to have your voice out there. Um, no, nobody ever, n- nobody's ever thought this is really one of the best compliments in, in hard in hardball politics. Nobody's ever thought Peter Navarro's out for something for himself. I mean, they've always thought he's he's going to fight the Chinese single handedly before Trump. It looked like you were going to have to take on the communist regime but i you know and the same thing with defending trump and and what he's after do you uh, do you think peter do you say to yourself um what trump started can you know will will be sustained um when you look at a new republican house and senate perhaps next year will they actually live up to the trump vision and as a secondary note do you hope trump runs for for in 2024 uh, my mission is to get to the bottom of the November 3rd election and, and find out if it was stolen and if it was um, put him in office before then. I'll be honest with you. All right. How about the um, the, the, the first part of the, the uh, question? I mean, do you think um, Trumpism, do you think that the Republican Party leaders, uh, the people I in think, power? I think we're in a battle. I think we're in a battle right now for the hearts and minds of the Republican Party. There's a very strong uh, the chapter 20 in the uh, In Trump Time book uh, titled Dumb Sons of Bitches uh, is part to the title. One of them is Mitch McConnell. You know, these these rhino corporatist globalist Republicans who who hate Trumpism, love to offshore our jobs. Um, they have a lot of power and uh, we're going to have to be vigilant, Ed, or we're going to lose the Republican Party once again um, to the dark side of, of corporate welfare. And um, that's a battle I'm, I'm trying to fight with this in Trump time book. All right. Well, as always, it's um, helpful that you're out there, Peter Navarro. Peter Navarro, again, the book is uh, In Trump Time. It's a great title, A Journal of America's Plague Year, uh-huh. uh, and available Kindle, audiobook, hardcover. Let's, we'll talk again soon, Peter. Thank you for your time. I, I, can't tell, I can't tell you how much it's nice to renew our friendship, Ed, and it's been a long time and too long. We'll, we'll do this again soon. Uh, Okay, sounds great. And I can't tell you how much Phyllis Schlafly, the late Phyllis Schlafly, one of the greatest, oh. how much she thought of you and your book and yes. your work. She she was a she was a fan of Navarro before everybody else caught on that you had some <laughs> had had all this great yeah. talent. She was in early, so it was great. All right. We like that. All right, my all right. take care. Okay. Take care, San okay. Diego. Bye. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report, back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. I, about a week ago, I thought to myself, we need to catch up with Terry Beatley. Terry Beatley is the founder of an extraordinary organization, um, the history of which we could spend like a whole show talking about. It's called the Hosea Initiative, and it focuses on the fact that the one of the leading abortionists ever, a man named Dr. Bernard 
Nathanson uh, repented and changed his mind on abortion. And she, uh, uh, Terry Beatley and he became friends, or I guess they become acquainted and she did a long talk with him and she, um, made it her project to go out and tell people the importance of how someone who was an abortionist could change his mind. And she's been an extraordinary leader and she's uh, the author of what if we've been wrong, keeping my promise to America's abortion King. Uh, and uh, welcome Terry. How are you? Hey, and glad to be back on. Glad to be here. Well, so it's good to be back. It's good to be, have you on. And, and in the weird way, the, the Trump years were years where we made progress on life. We had a, a chief executive who was uh, of the United States who was pro-life. So that felt good. In a funny way, suddenly it was over and we're in this swamp of, of pro-abortion stuff. Yeah, we have some good judges and all. But it feels to me like, uh, Terry, that the that the grassroots of the country doesn't quite know what to make of it now. Do you feel that? Um, yes, and that's also why I think the relevancy of of making the promise or made to Dr. Bernard Nathanson widely known is also so relevant. Um, and it's because if middle America, who knows abortion is wrong, but they don't quite know what to do with all this, how could we ever return to becoming a pro-life country again? The answer, in my opinion, lies in making Dr. Bernard Nathanson's legacy widely known, because if the father of America's industry of abortion can do a 180-degree turn and become pro-life as an atheist, mind you, right. then what, what else can America do? We need the legacy of Dr. Bernard Nathanson, who co-founded NARAL, who trained Planned Parenthood doctors, and then he became pro-life, and later on, he became a Christian, and he, he his message is spot on today. Well, and so, you know, I we're talking with Terry Beatley, and again, I'll put up on social media her uh, organization's website, Hosea4U.org, the Hosea Initiative. Lots of people, when you do the polling now, lots of young people and others have seen the science of uh, right. life in the womb, and they're, and they're more pro-life. But... I'm not sure it's translated. There's a whole bunch of people that sort of are immune to it. And they say, well, you know, but I don't want to tell somebody else what to do. I don't, I don't want to uh, impose. I, you know, it's, 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 this is for somebody else. Uh, Dr. Nathanson did, I don't know, tens of thousands of abortions. What did, what was the moment? How did he, how did he change? Because my wife will often tell me, with 50 million people that have had an abortion or been a part of an abortion, you can't go up to them and say it's murder. It's hard for people to take that news, right? You can't just, you can't go from believing you did something, even if you didn't love it or feel good about it, and now it's murder. So you've got to sort of change hearts and minds. How did Nathanson right. pivot? What was his moment? And, and what does it right, teach well, people? Well, from, from the beginning, when he set out uh, with his partner, Lawrence Later, where they collaborated in... Um, uh, organizing the first pro-abortion political action organization called, today it's called NARAL, Pro-Choice America. He admitted later on that, that from the very beginning, they denied what they knew to be true, that abortion kills a human life. So I think that's the first step, is that the lies of yesteryear that you and I know it, and most people know it, you know, they would say, oh, it's just a blob of tissue, um, they can't get away with that anymore because of what real-time ultrasound revealed. So, and again, it's why his story is so relevant. So he was denying what he knew to be true, that abortion kills a human being. But in the beginning, he had never seen 
uh, a baby on real time ultrasound. He had only seen the the uh, uh, the real grainy photographs of an ultrasound. So the irony of all this is the year we got Roe v. Wade in January of seventy three. Nathanson celebrated Roe v. Wade in January. However, about six months later, the hospital he was working at as chief of obstetrics rolled in a brand new technology. And for the very first time, and this was new to me when I sat with him, I was thinking he had never seen a baby. But no, he'd seen the pictures. But for the first time, he saw the baby on real-time ultrasound. And so wow. he already knew it was a baby, but it was the, he was right. an atheist. And so, and, and so that's the other key part, Ed, that plays into this, because Joe Biden, Joe Biden, he's all that. Let's follow the science. Follow this. Well, all right, Joe Biden, let me walk you right down the road through science with Dr. Bernard Nathanson. So if we go with what the president of the United States is saying, follow the science, well, then we need to follow the science like Dr. Nathanson, because the science of real-time ultrasound made that man 110 percent pro-life. Yeah, it is. Um, that's what Phyllis used to say was the ultrasound and then 3D ultrasounds. Um, yeah. and of course the heartbeat bill, a lot of the heartbeat bills, people, when they, you can hear a heartbeat and you can see a heartbeat, you're like, wait a second, that's something more than just tissue. Uh, but yeah. back, we're talking with Terry Beatley again. Her, her organization is Hosea4u.org and Hosea, the number for, uh, u.org. Um, yet, how do you how do you find um, one of the one of the tricks that the media has done is they make it so if you talk about abortion, you're you're sort of shutting down the conversation. Everybody's oh, and everybody's in a camp. How do we break through that? We break through it with the power of truth and the power of love. And so what we say at Jose mm-hmm. Initiative, no matter how ugly the truth is, we're going to love other people with the truth. And what we have found is that um, people are doing a 180-degree turn, and they're also repenting. You know, if they're even just mildly a Christian, they're repenting for their apathy, for their willful ignorance, and or for their participation with abortion, which could be they got an abortion themselves, or they pushed a girlfriend or a wife into getting an abortion, or they've been supporting pro-abortion candidates. The power of Nathanson's legacy, because here's the key thing, and you and I, as Catholics, we fully understand this, and we pray that the rest of America can as well. Dr. Bernard Nathanson's legacy introduces every American into what it looks like to be humble, to admit that you've had something wrong, and that Mm. you're willing to receive God's divine mercy because even the father of America's industry of abortion could not run fast enough away from the hand of God, who was drawing Dr. Nathanson to the Lord. So there's your answer. Nathanson's legacy leads people to the foot of the cross to understand what humility looks like. I mean, we're, we're told every day. Ten times a day, we're supposed to be prideful, right? You know, pride parades and pride does and pride. (laughs) No, we're supposed to be humble. So if the father of America's industry of abortion, who was responsible for the death of 75,000 babies and for deceiving the United States Supreme Court, if he can be humble, if he can be humble and admit that he had it wrong, then why can't all of us? 
Why can't everybody mm-hmm. just learn the story and be humble enough to say, you know what? I had to. I was never pro-abortion, Ed, but I was also very right. apathetic. I knew I would never get an abortion. But when I was 38, 39 years old, when I started reading up on all this, I had to repent for my apathy and my willful ignorance. I knew I'd never have an abortion myself, but I realized, my God, as I've sat on the sidelines while millions of babies were obliterated, um, my apathy and my ignorance just were, were, were I, I was yeah. convicted. So. It's amazing. It's amazing. Terry Beatley, you have such a gift uh, given to you uh, for this. So Hosea4u.org. Uh, there's the book. What have we've, what have we been wrong? There's a curriculum there. There's some pamphlets. It's a great, it's a great way to, uh, what, what Terry just did in this few minutes together, give you a sense of how to think about this to make progress. So, uh, Terry, thank you for what you're doing. We, it's so great to hear from you. We'll have you back again soon. God bless your good work. And again, I'll put it up on social media. Thank you. All right, great. Thank you, Ed. God bless you. Bye-bye. God bless you. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Back when it was politically expedient for China to not receive the blame for COVID-19, Some of the loudest voices in the scientific community did their best to shut down any investigation into the true origins of the global virus. Dr. Anthony Fauci proclaimed that all the evidence pointed to a natural origin to the virus, not a man-made one. CNN shouted that Anthony Fauci just crushed Donald Trump's theory on the origin of the coronavirus. CNN boasted that the world-renowned infectious disease expert Fauci had debunked Trump. CNN continued, The back and forth over where the virus originated and how is simply the latest example of how Trump seeks to shape reality to fit his predetermined conclusion. CNN pretended that the real problem was that Trump and his supporters do not accept science, even though nothing could be further from the truth. Medical journals and the media continue to demonize anyone who might suggest that COVID was man-made, even calling them conspiracy theorists. The Lancet printed articles marginalizing anyone who suggested that there was a man-made origin of the virus, even allowing name-calling against their hypotheses. Then, a few months ago, Fauci himself began to backtrack from his prior adamant denials of a man-made origin to COVID. On September 17th, The Lancet finally published candid research debunking the liberals' insistence on a wildlife origin for COVID. As the team of scientists behind this research wrote, quote, there is so far no scientifically validated evidence that directly supports a natural origin. And although considerable evidence supports the natural origins of other outbreaks, direct evidence for a natural origin for SARS-CoV-2 is missing. As to the no evidence mantra that Fauci and other liberal scientists are so fond of repeating, the reality is that their own statements pretending there was a natural origin were without evidence. This is why we don't want Chinese ties to our scientists, our media, and our politicians. How can we connect ourselves to lying communists and not assume that they will corrupt us as well? Honest pursuit of truth requires a complete separation from the controlling influences of communist China. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. 
For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here. Got to wrap things up heading into the weekend. And the weekend isn't going very well for Nancy Pelosi. Just let me explain to you what will happen. Remember I told you, follow the money. If you use money as a filter, you will understand life, not perfectly, but a lot. It'll help you understand a lot of stuff. What's happening in the House is Nancy Pelosi is not fighting for an agenda, fighting for a vision. She's just now trying to get another $500 billion. Think about this. The great Obama stimulus boondoggle was about, I don't know, $800, $800 million. And at the time, it seemed like a, just a fortune. Now, the infrastructure bill is $500 billion. Lots of pork, lots of payouts. It will get passed in some form because they need the money. Follow the money. The other thing, the boondoggle, build back, build back Brandon, that's not going anywhere. But uh, that's what we just have to watch. That's what, that's what Pelosi's fighting for is money, money, money. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great producer, Joanna, for helping book our guests, and you for listening. Check out everything that we've done over at ProAmericaReport.com, and we will be back next week. It's Ed Martin right here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.